are back with another episode of Midweek Menches. Um, and at Stano on Twitter. Tonight we're joined by the mayor, Matt Santini, down in Cartersville. How you doing, Mayor? Happy New Year. Good to be with y'all and uh, happy to get in get into a little bit of show content. Absolutely. We've also got Allie. How you doing, Allie? What's up? And of course, our fake foreign correspondent, Schweitz, up in Toronto. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. We had a lot of a lot of show stuff going on. We didn't do an episode last week, so we've probably got a ton of topics. Um, Mayor, let's start with you. What do you got for topics this week? You don't want to start with me. I'll go on for the next hour and a half because, you know, we do had really, if you go back, I'd missed, uh, I guess, the previous week. I did miss a way. I did miss our regularly scheduled time. And so I'll apologize for that. I make a big deal about if we deviate that I fall off that. But uh, I guess going back, the one that will really stick in my craw that we really need to talk about because it kind of reared its ugly head over the last few days is Greg Cody's hygiene habits and this, lack is, thereof. this is really getting me the the from the terrible foot hygiene to now we know that he does not clean it all uh, he's told us in the past a multi-day underwear use i i just i'm just at an absolute loss um i know that he's probably gonna be excited just because we're talking about him but of those items which one is the worst to you all right i'll start and for me, it's the multiple day underwear use. Now, I'll, I'll preface this on the front end that, yeah, sure, every so often it might happen. You might have showered, gotten dressed, and then next morning you couldn't shower or something and you just got in the middle of stuff. And then all of a sudden you realize, like, it's noon. Goodness, I need to change my clothes. But he talks about it in a way that seems like he's proud of it and he revels to do it and he likes to annoy the people around him by doing it. And that just sort of grosses me out. What do you think, Mayor? Well, I mean, I know what I think. I mean, I think they're all disgusting. I'd like to know what Schweitz has to say about it. I mean, it's it's definitely the underwear, especially because, you know, they're in Southern Florida where it's hot. Like You might be able to get away with that a little bit more if you're up north like me, where, you know, you're not sweating constantly. But like in that swampy uh, climate, I'm not going near that. So I have a theory on this. So you know how women can go a long time without washing their hair, but you have to build up to it because you got to build in the oil and the natural grease in it and it makes your hair all shiny. Maybe that's what Greg Cody's doing, but for his private Dude. area. Yeah. Like he's trying to build up his sweat tolerance and getting out of that place down there all nice and oily and greasy to where if he skips a few days and wears the same pair of underwear for those amount of days, it's going to build up that tolerance. And so he's going to have nice, clean area down there to caress. I'd just like to say, Allie is saying that great Cody has shiny pubes. Shoes. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I would, I would have to say, you know, even Schweitz, you say it being in that weather, it also means that you're going to be wearing uh, sandals or you're going to be going barefoot an awful lot. We've seen them making turkeys barefooted as well. I, I'm sorry. The foot hygiene to me is I, I've got a problem, a small problem with feet anyway, especially if they're unkempt and people that will wear sandals year round. But, uh, so the, so the fact that those, he's got those digits down there, just totally unkempt. It, it, it gets on me as well. I could go all day, not knowing how many days you've worn your underwear, but if you've got 
long yellow crusty talons hanging off the end of your feet. I mean, you're going to see that. And if, again, if you've got that going on, you just need to put them away. So. And he seems to be way too proud of all these disgusting habits. Like he revels in talking about his toes and how I haven't cut him since the last time Stu got cut him or whatever. And it's like, no, like, what are you doing? Like, like, yes, you're a crushy old man who, who in some ways is best when he's the worst, but he just leans into it way too much for my uh, taste or demeanor, I guess. All right. Very selfish and obscure reference. This goes back probably three weeks during the, the Monday local hour where they referenced a guy named Bo Bach and they played an audio clip from him a few times. Bo Bach is from Atlanta. They, they referred to it. And I mean, I grew up listening to Bo Bach. He, he's been a sports uh, legend in this, in Atlanta, the Atlanta market for years. And so for them to just reference him and to play some of his uh, foolishness and his over the top uh, audio that just made my day. That's again, that's kind of a selfish mention there that I wanted to get into the show. Um, I, I was intrigued by Dan's discussion on journalism. I know this is important only probably to me as well, but you know, Dan, Dan and I get to a lot of times, I think, cause we're close, we're probably pretty much the same age. Sensibilities are similar, but the road to get there is usually very different or the reasons behind those feelings are very different, but the journalism thing to me hits very true. I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to that. And the, the whole Ken Rosenthal thing with major league baseball and the fact that just providing simple facts and, and reporting it, the value of that versus the value of having a strong opinion and throwing it out there or dismissing anybody that doesn't feel the same way with you. I don't know that it's going to lead to the downfall of society, but I did like the fact that he went into this long discussion about it and had, I think made a very impassioned reason why, and that, you know, the, the acknowledgement that nobody else cares about it, but I care, Dan, I care. And I don't know if any of you care or not. I understand where he's coming from, but I also understand that if you work for the MLB network, like you are, you're a propaganda arm for that specific entity and you should be able to report facts and everything and not fear that your bot, you're going to have fear of reprisal of doing whatever it is that you need to do for your specific job. But once you take on that specific entity, like I wouldn't expect anybody within Metal Arc Media to bash Dan or bash Skipper because that's just who you signed up for. You signed up to work for that specific person. So I feel like that kind of comes with the territory of working under that MLB realm for Ken Rosenthal. But in fairness to him, he didn't do it under the MLB network platform. He did it on other platforms and didn't necessarily bash he reported information and rob manford is probably one of the most terrible people that could ever be in charge of anything in this country for being in charge of the mlb but at the same time you still need to understand that you are a propaganda arm for the mlb and you kind of got to get you have to you know walk on your tiptoes around rob manford whether it's right or wrong it's it's expected it's kind of like an underlying thing that it's you you can't do that. I don't know. I it feel sucks, like, but it's it's just the world we live in. I feel like it's the world we've gotten to because separately, not on uh, Levitard, but I was listening to Tony Kornheiser today and he was relaying a story from David Aldrich. And David Aldrich was talking about how when he used to be critical of the NBA, David Stern would call him on the phone 
and would talk to him about it or would yell at him about it. He wouldn't call his bosses trying to get him fired because while David may have not, David Stern may have not liked what David Aldridge had to say, he understood that there was some level of criticism that came with the job. And I feel like one of the problems with Manford beyond some of the dumb things he said, like the trophy is just a piece of metal is that he just doesn't, Roger Goodell understands he's going to be a punching bag. He understands he's out there for a particular reason and he'll say what he has to say and he'll understand there will be criticism. Rob Manford doesn't seem to understand that there's going to be, or doesn't expect there should be criticism from anybody. Now I do understand if you work for MLB, it's a little different. So I understand why he got fired. I'm sure in a quiet moment, Ken Rosedahl would feel the same way. I also feel like now you've taken someone and given them a larger platform to then be critical of you going forward. Oh, like absolutely. Now Rosendahl, like Rosendahl's, now Rosendahl doesn't strike me as someone who's going to go out and be petty, but I'm sure there were times when Rosendahl held back on something he wanted to say, knowing that there was a line. And now I think you've, you've, you've A, released him from that line, and you've probably also pissed off other fellow journalists. There was a time, I agree with you, May, there was a time when journalism and reporting of facts or the situation was looked at independently from someone giving his opinion. Even going back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, Point Counterpoint was like a show where you basically had two people going back and forth and arguing with like McLaughlin. I mean, I'm talking politics, but you had a lot of this stuff where there was a lot of back and forth where you were able to have facts separately or reporting separately from opinion. And now that just doesn't seem like no one wants to hear facts anymore or hear, you know, reporting. They just want to hear what's your hot take about topic A, B, or C. I don't know. Yeah. And I think what it, what it's really boiled down to in the 24 hour news cycle kind of started this is you want your news flavored a certain way. And so you, you pick and choose how you want your news flavored. Whereas I like, I like the old world war two, you know, real films. It's like, you know, here's planes taking off, you know, it's, it's just, it's just basic. And it kind of shows you and you go from there. I do think you think about this Dan's passion for journalism and what he's got with metal arc, he could create a stable and a place for people that are just going to do out and out journalism. People like a Ken Rosenthal, give him a, a place where he can report and, and do exactly what he wants to do with that level of freedom to report. And, and maybe that's a niche that, that metal art grows into. It should be interesting uh, to see if, if that's something that may, isn't a, I doubt it, but it's just an idea. I did love the gift of permission that uh, Greg Cody gave his wife uh, the permission to get a dog. I thought that was the, the probably the, that was worse than a pineapple, but the gift of permission uh, made me chuckle. And then I'm going to ask you, I'll go first, but Billy talked about adding a body part. And I very quickly came up with my answer. I'll come up with mine and I'll share it. And I would like, if we're adding body parts, I would like to add an eye to the back of my head. You know, everybody says, oh, well, you, you know, if you could look behind your, you see, you could see in, in more directions. Uh, obviously, the is uh, now it should be easier to see through that. But the, uh, that that's what I would add. I would add an eye in the back of my head so I can see what's, what's coming up on me and, uh, and go from there. So I don't know if you guys gave any thought when you heard that conversation about, uh, whether or not there's a, uh, if you could add a body part, what it would be And Schweitz 
you look like you're pondering rather deeply. So I'm going to go to you first. So I'm thinking I'm either adding an extra leg or I'm adding an extra arm. I'm just trying to figure out where. Do I want like the arm on like the center of my back? Do I want the arm center of my chest? So it's more usable. Just, I mean, I got bad legs. So like I sort of want a third leg just to, to even out the pressure and, and whatnot. Baby. It's not all as cracked up to be. Sorry. I have a question about your eye theory. Okay. Mayor, would your eye have to wear glasses too? And how would you put the glasses Ooh, on the back of your head? Cause I thought about that too. Cause baby. I wear glasses and how would that work? Like, well, would these just are just readers. Lens? These are just readers. And so they would have to be, it would have to work. Cause I did think about that. It would have to work independently. Like if I want to close that, I like when I go to that eye to be closed, I might want to watch TV while so I, that would be, that would be closed while the other ones are opened and doing whatever I wanted to do. And then again, the, the way my eyes are now I'm farsighted. So it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't really bother. I wouldn't need to wear a glass on the back of my head, but that would be a whole new market for glasses. If you had that, there you too. go. What about you and body parts thoughts? So maybe like a second brain, I think, because you don't use all your brain. So why not get a second one? And so you can just like expand your mind that way. So you could like think double and maybe be smarter or just come up with stuff faster. I don't know. That would be me. I don't know where I'd put it though. Head's only so big. I mean, I didn't really think that far in the process, but I think having two brains would be kind of cool. Okay. And what about you? So it's funny because I had a situation today that my answer fits perfectly for. So I would go similar to you, mayor and want a third eye, but I would want it in the palm of my hand. And the reason being is so that you could like see all kinds of different stuff or be able to get an eye into spaces you can't necessarily get yourself into. And I ran into this today in that um, at my wife's school, one of her sinks was stuck, was uh, clogged, and we couldn't figure out what it was. And so I basically had to take my phone and like put it in the thing under the sink and try to see what I could like figure out. And I finally figured out what it was, which was that the GFC switch had, had, uh, had turned off. And I was like, <laughs> if I had a hand with it, I was like, and I had listened to that, that piece, like a little bit before I was trying to fix the thing. And I'm like, cause we have a pump to sort of pump the water out. Cause we have some air conditioning and heating sy systems connected to that sink. And I'm like, man, if I had, a thing in my hand, I could just put my hand back there and see exactly what I need to do. So that's what I would do. I would like a third eye in the palm of my hand so that I could sort of maneuver what I want to see. If I want to see behind me, around me, under me, and, you know, be able to sort of get into spots that you couldn't necessarily get into easily. It's funny as Schweitz is giving us some visuals, the, it's funny when you first said about having it in your hand, the first thing I thought about was plumbing and reaching under a sink. And that's exactly what the situation was for. So that's, well, that's good. All right. Well, I'm glad that brought a little bit of joy to everybody. Like it did me. The other thing that brought joy and I, and I think you'll be able to remember these as well. They mentioned, uh, Jessica did about, uh, photo mats about getting the, there used to be a place called Photomat. There were these little huts that would pop up in the middle of strip mall parking lots where you would drive up and drop off your film from your cameras and they would, they would do the developing for it right there. And it's the fact that they 
kind of harken back to that, uh, that particular day. That's something that Schweitz, you and Allie probably have zero recollection of. Oh, I remember like the, the Kodak shacks. That's what I remember is going and driving up and getting your film developed. But I think like Polaroid cameras are making a comeback because yeah. ki- the cool kids want to feel retro and get their film developed or whatever. But I got pictures developed about two years ago to just replace in um, picture frames around the house of, of the kids. And I got that done at Walmart. So it's still alive and thriving just in the, in the big box stores. Well, I was thinking of, again, my, my, my best friend's mom used to work in one of those little photo mats. It was a little hut. It was about like a six by six little house that people just pull up and fill out their paperwork and they would drop it in there and get it all taken care of. So, all right. So yeah, we didn't have like a hut, but we had, um, just like, it was just, uh, you know, a storefront, essentially my, my grandfather and my father were real estate appraisers. So a lot of that's taking a lot of pictures. So before digital cameras, uh, you know, they just send me, you know, park the car, you know, be four years old, they'll send me in the door. The guy knew me and hand me the, I'd hand him the film. I'd, you knew every, you know, just exchange everything. I spent a lot of time in, in photo stores, uh, as a child because of that until digital cameras came along. So yeah, mayor totally remember those little those little shacks. Um, and I think a lot of them when New York were Kodak cuts, like Ali said, also I worked in a photo lab for, I don't know, ah, one to two years. I'm not exactly sure how long, but around like just first couple of years out of college um, or first couple of years of college coming back for summers, coming back for breaks. I had a friend who worked at one and I was like, give me a job. He's like, that's fine. And so, yeah, you should totally. And man, the, the stuff you would see as you're developing the photos, most of it was pretty normal. And then some of it was pretty insane. All and, right, so, yeah, let's and get your was, top five. Your top five so, weirdest things you saw. So there definitely was an automatic machine that did do the printing even back then. But you'd have to feed the stuff in and you'd have to sort of look to make sure, Oh God, this photo is completely wrong. Let me, let me do some enhancements to it. Let me lighten it or darken it or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, Surprisingly, even going back then to, to my top five, lots of people love to take nudie photos (laughs) or photos of them in lingerie or men in silk boxers or whatever to sort of, um, so that was definitely one thing you'd run into. I feel like definitely more often than I expected to. Um, and that was always weird because especially if you were like, oh, Mr. Smith, your photos and you know what they are and he knows you know what they are. And it's like it's a moment where you both have to like <laughs> stare at the floor for a moment and pretend you don't pretend you didn't see all the photos that he sent in. Um Is your pictures, Pastor? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was one. Um, another one, there was definitely, I think once or twice, I think probably twice, where someone took pictures of a car accident. And it was pretty clear that it was a pretty horrific car accident <laughs> um, without going into too much detail. Um one of the people could have used another arm. Let me just say that. And I'll leave it at um, So that was another thing that was sort of much more shocking than even seeing someone, you know, a wife dressing in sexy lingerie for her husband, theoretically, or her boyfriend, who knows. Um, so that was another one. Um, 
Also, I feel like even back then, people love to take photos of food. Like they love to take a picture of their Thanksgiving spread, the cake they made, not the birthday cake with someone blowing it out, but literally just the cake on its own as if they were going to, I don't know, do what with. Um, that was probably another one that was pretty shocking to me. The number of people who took what seemed like, what are you going to do with this photo? Like, unless you're like, are you submitting it to good housekeeping magazine or something to try to win, you know, the best chocolate cake contest. Like it just seemed very weird. Um, I think that's probably it. That's probably, that's probably the best three I can come up with as far as, or the oddest three compared to what I sort of expected. Um, so, so you've, you've, you've triggered a memory with me that may get me divorced, Canceled? <laughs> and, yeah, no divorced my wife. When we got pregnant, uh, 20 years ago, um, we decided we were going to take, you know, pictures like the progression pictures of, you know, we, you know, week to week, we'll take a picture every week. So we had a little, you know, one of those disposable cameras and, so this was very early on in her pregnancy and she had, you know, her, she was clothed, but she, you know, she pulled up her shirt underneath, you know, she wasn't exposing anything. And then she pulled her, you know, she, she was trying to expose her belly. And so we took this picture and again, it was very early on in the pregnancy. There wasn't, it wasn't, you know, months in where there was an obvious baby bump. And so there's just a picture of her. And at the time, you know, when I took the picture with a disposable camera, you're looking through there, was kind of cropping it with my eyes thinking that's what the photo would be. Well, <laughs> we ended up not, we ended up not taking that picture that those pictures week after week after week. And we went a few years without, we, we come across this camera. We didn't know what was on it along with some other old films. So we take it to get developed and we're in the drugstore. You know, they have, you know, you can look through the prints and make sure. And that picture comes up with her just kind of looking at the camera with, with her shirt, you know, pulled up and her, her, boxer you know whatever i love and it the, and she made eye contact with the clerk that was there and she just walked out of the store oh it was so embarrassing <laughs> it was it was great because it, it was it was it was not a it was not an it was not a sexual thing at all but it was almost like oh they took this picture you know out of context it looked like hey take a look at me and it was it was it was supposed to be rather aseptic and it didn't turn out that way and it embarrassed the hell out of my wife so well that sort of kicked in my brain one more Lots of people like to take photos at the delivery. And while nothing was never that crazy, I definitely saw a couple of C-section pictures that I thought was wildly inappropriate to send in (laughs) for some random 19-year-old kid to develop for you. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And I I am someone who, who definitely took some photos at the delivery for my three kids, but they were digital. So I could say, Oh, I can't get rid of that. I got to get rid of that. Get rid of that. You know, like you take one back then you took one with a camera and you were, you were hoping it was going to turn out not ridiculous. I got a fairly close post C-section photograph that, yeah, that's a little, it was a little bit graphic, but Hey, trying to chart the time where the, I was the only one in the room. I was, trust me, I was safely on the other side of that screen. I didn't want to see any of that stuff. Oh, I didn't, I didn't care. Actually, I have a good picture of my eldest 
where she's coming out and her arms are out while it, like the nurse is picking her up and her arms are like this. And she's got a look on her face. And I actually took that picture. I have that somewhere on an old phone or something oh, or, awesome. or on my computer. And you also never know when you're going to be able to see your internal organs again or somebody else's. Exactly. So you got to take the chance. You got to take that opportunity and seize well, the opportunity. My wife can. was very excited to have the screen up so she couldn't see any of it. I didn't necessarily care. I, I for the most part, don't have a stomach that necessarily bothers me in that way. All right. So my last two things are just more comments. Dan criticizing football uh, for being violent while being a big fan of boxing and MMA is something I just don't, I don't get. Uh, my last comment, they talked about Tristan Thompson some today, basketball player uh, who's fathering kids left and right. He is a basketball player with no ball control. Thank you. And we'll move on. <laughs> well, I'll just go back to your, to your football comment. I feel like Dan says it's too violent. And I hate that I love it. Like, so he's even like in the moment, like talking about that. He he's over the past year, he seemed to have gotten a little more of that side to him where he's like openly criticizing something, comma, I love it though. Like, and not really trying to walk the line as much as be on both sides of the line pretty clearly. So if I can, so I'm an MMA fan. So the only this is the justification I have for why I like MMA compared to why I don't watch football. Football's consistent, like hitting every single Sunday, you're getting these bad hits. Whereas in MMA, you're fighting two, maybe three times a year and one shot you're out and that's it. Sometimes you don't even get knocked out. You get submitted, you go to sleep for a little bit, then you wake up and then you train it. So I think it's just the, it is a very barbaric thing to watch two people fight. Probably one of the most original like OG sports since day one of watching two people just go at it with each other. But for me, it's the, it's just different watching somebody just get taken out once, twice a year compared to all the time. It's so like, it just makes me cringe. Anytime a football player just gets tackled and that's just one tackle for a game. So I don't know if that's where Dan was coming from or not. Well, I will say this, uh, go to my Twitter account. We can follow me on Twitter uh, at Santini Matt, by the way, I did retweet uh super sports, super seventies sports, the first round of Hagler and Hearns. I don't, Allie, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but mm -hmm. even if, if you've never watched a boxing match in your life, um, you need to go to that, watch that three minutes of just an absolute street fight. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's the best three minutes of boxing you will ever see. Go ahead, Shway. Oh, just uh, along those lines with Tristan Thompson, one of the best tweets I saw today was they should name the new COVID variant Tristan Thompson because it's just out of control. <laughs> just spreading everywhere. Salute to Chloe. All right, Schweitz, what do you got for topics this week? I know you got at least one under your belt. Yeah, so they were talking about uh, wedding speeches today, best man speeches and whatnot. I want to know what's the worst wedding speech you ever heard. So I have a few. I have a, a cousin, father of the bride, who uh, I think he had a 28-page speech. Went on for about 45 minutes. His thought process was like, this is my, I'm paying for this, so I'm talking. And we're like, okay, food's good. Um, I saw I there was another one that was like a 20 minutes where all they did was bring out different car air fresheners and make Huns and try to attach those to different members of the family. And it just bombed so badly. And then the final one was my favorite was uh, one of my wife's family members tried to make a long joke 
with a very inappropriate punchline, and I was the only one in the room that got it. It was perfect. Did you, did you laugh? <laughs> I was laughing hysterically while everyone stared at me to ask why it was funny. It wasn't funny. The situation was funny. Ali, what about you? You got any, uh, you know, given you've mentioned previously, you've never really been to a party. I don't know how many weddings you've been to. But... So I say, yeah, I can only remember two because one, you need to have friends to be invited to weddings, which I don't have. And then two, you have to be social and that's not me. So I went to, well, I guess I had to my sister's wedding because I was the maid of honor, but we both agreed nobody was doing speeches because we're not into that. So I didn't have to talk. Her husband's brother didn't have to talk. There were no speeches. That's perfect. I didn't have a wedding, got married at the jail. No speeches there. And then when my brother-in-law got married, I was pregnant with Lucy. So I missed the speeches because I was puking up the dinner in the bathroom. And that's about all I can remember. But I am team no speech because weddings are just, it's all like having fun with everybody else. But it's never about the bride and the groom. It's about everybody else having fun. The bride and groom are always super stressed out about trying to make everything perfect, picture perfect settings and great food. And they never have time for themselves. And I feel like speeches are just all about the person giving it rather than the bride and the groom themselves. I'm, um, I I don't really have a good, bad speech, but uh, I've got my concern right now is, is the other side of that is giving the the father speech. My daughter's getting married in about 90 days. We are doing a, she has chosen to do a destination wedding. So it's going to be a very small wedding. Um, and you know, I, and you'll agree, you know, the, the, the Italian and you just kind of goes, you know, you got, you got to kind of, there's certain things in life. You just got to knock out of the park. And, and that, <laughs> that little speech is, is, is definitely one of them. I feel like I'm getting ready to address the nation and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's rather stressful. Cause again, knowing, knowing me the way that y'all do, you know, I have, a, I have the ability to be rather cheesy and I can, do I, do I go, you know, do you start with a joke? Do you go a little comedic? Do you go light? Do you, do you just go plain solid, you know, straight, you know, just do it and get it done. Uh, my goal is to limit it to about two minutes. Cause Allie and, and Schweitz, I agree that it's gotta be, if you do it, you gotta get in, you gotta get out. Nobody wants to hear you talk for six or seven minutes about, about anything. So you just, you just got to make it happen, but I don't really have a, a bad, uh, a bad story as it relates to weddings. I've got a few with funerals, but that's not what we're talking about. So I'll just throw it to Ann. You should try the cake joke, the Chris Cody cake joke. See how it lands. That was sneaky. Good. I like that it. Was sneaky good. I like it. So I disagree with all three of you. I love if they're good, long winning speeches. I love Mostly because a lot of the weddings I've been to that I think of recently sort of in the last you know decade at least are all friends of mine that I've known for a really long time. And so anytime someone tells a story, I'm laughing because I know what they're talking about. So for me, I like a good wedding speech. At the same time, I do agree if it's bad, it can go bad quick and every second feels like an hour. So for me... The, the, the one of the bad wedding speeches I can remember was from a dad. Sorry, Matt, because <laughs> I'm going to sort of <laughs> I'm going to give you some self-consciousness here. Uh, tell me and what not he to do. was just he he was it was atrocious because he spoke for too long, but not because he spoke for too long necessarily. But he was trying to talk as if he was one of his son's friends. And he was talking as if he was 
26 and was out with drinking with them last night. And it was like, no, dad, you're like 45 and the dad and you may be a good person, but you're still the dad. You shouldn't be talking about this stuff. You should be making sexual innuendo type jokes about your son and his wife. What's going to happen tonight when they get to the bedroom and all this other stuff. It was just like, it was very much cringeworthy. Um, because he also was not self-aware enough to realize two jokes in, he was sinking. So he had a shovel and he was digging away and he just kept digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper. One of those where at the end of the band's like, and thank you, father of the groom. Let's now let's move on more dancing. <laughs> like he couldn't wait to sort of move it along. So the advice I would give to you, Matt, as someone who's never given a speech is concise like you seem to know make a joke or two make a heartfelt story or two and then move it along it's just put it this way we all can admit probably some of the best speeches wedding or otherwise we've heard are when they end it and you're like oh i want a little more so you know it's always better to be to be shorter than longer if you know what you're doing and so you know one joke about her one joke about italy one heartfelt story thank you good night Chris Cody's joke. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) So one, I have a public service announcement. If anybody from the show actually listens to our podcast, which I'm pretty sure some of you might stop eating into the microphone. Stop it. It's (laughs) awful. Nobody wants to hear you eat or even watch you on YouTube eat via Zoom, via the studio. Nothing. If you can't eat on a break, don't eat during the recording. It's awful. It's distracting. It messes with the sound hurts my lovely ears that I clean with the other side of tweezers instead of a Q-tip because you should never shove a Q-tip into your ear, but that's beside the point. But my other discussion would be the Betty White discussion, RIP, who is our net, like most lovable, beloved old celebrity now? Because I have a nominee of Mr. Feeney and I didn't know if anybody had that beat. I don't know who that is. Mr. Feeney, William Daniels. He played Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. He hasn't really had anything controversial in his past. That's why I picked him. He was the voice of Kit on Knight Rider. Yeah. St. Elsewhere or uh, St. Elmo's Hospital, whatever. <laughs> uh, mine would be mine would be Dick Vitale. Wow. I don't know, Dick. Wow. To me, some of the stuff he's just like so entrenched in like college best girls. Pure. No, it's not Dick. Stop saying that. Like I feel like he's. He's not got problematic stuff in his. No, he's like Joe Buck. He's he's the Joe Buck of college basketball. You either like him or you do not. The people who do not like him do not like Dick Vitale, especially like when it comes to Duke UNC basketball, because he used to broadcast all those games. And so people were either very pro Dick or very anti Dick. What about you, Al? Are you pro Dick or anti Dick? I'm pro Dick 24 7, baby. Vin, (laughs) Vin Scully. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one a lot, Mayor. I just worry since he's sports, there's going to be a large sense of a large part of the population that's just not going to like understand his lovable nature, his, his you know, what, what he means sort of to people who are into sports, baseball, et cetera, kind of thing. So I picked up a list here. So let me read you some names um, Dick Van Dyke, Mel Brooks, David Attenborough. Um, Angela Lansbury. This list might be old, so maybe some of these people aren't with us. Uh, 
Bob Barker, Norman Lear. Uh, yeah. Queen Elizabeth, but I think she has some problems. Um, she so did, did bury a relative. So yeah. did Bob Barker. Uh, Mel Brooks is a good one, though. Mel Brooks um, got I mean, away please, with an awful lot. Please go back to, a bit I mean, problematic. It, it, yeah, it, it but, didn't age well, but the but the story of that again, we could we could dissect that. Maybe that's a that's a version of a cinema we need to do. But <laughs> Mel Mel Brooks is a good choice. I'm going to add so, Bob Newhart on there too. Bob Newhart's a good one. Um, I was going to add in Tony Bennett. I feel like he's lovable old guy somewhat, although his voice seems to be really going at this point. But, um, you know, I think enough of, you know, the previous to mine generation knows who he is. And some of the younger people know because he's done stuff with Lady Gaga and different things. So he's got he's got some notoriety. He's music. So he's not necessarily controversial. It's something that sort of anyone can sort of be interested in. So that would be one I would throw in there as well. Um, that I think could be a good one. Uh, as far as relevance, I'm throwing Sidney Poitier into that list as well. Crying baby. Not a blazing saddles fan either. <laughs> she loves Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Huge Dom DeLuise girl. <laughs> There's another one for your list, maybe. Dom DeLuise. She's He's been dead for you. He's been dead for years. Oh, never mind. <laughs> what do, do do I pay a fine for unkilling someone? For unkilling? <laughs> Zombie fine? Resurrecting no, them? <laughs> yeah, resurrection. So the topic I was going to bring up was going to be: Did we want to talk Antonio Brown at all? Or have you seen the Have you seen the death? updates yeah. for Antonio Brown? He released a statement via his agent about thirty minutes ago, basically going against everything that that happened, saying his ankle was hurt, and he told the coach, and the coach knew that his ankle was hurt. He still wanted to play him, and Antonio Brown was like, "Nah, bro, I'm going to sit." Coach was like, "No, you're going to play." He's like, "Nah." He's like, "Okay, then you're gone." And all this, like, it's a really long, it's a too long, didn't read kind of statement. Like, uh, I'm either happy for you or sorry that it happened. But uh, yeah, he's like basically saying it's, he has made mistakes in his past, but he, what he's, what the organization's doing to him right now is wrong. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That sort of goes in line with a lot of what Dan was saying when he was talking about it or, or insinuating that he, you know, there were rumors out there from the agent and this different things about that. Does, does that change anyone's opinion here what they think of what antonio brown did or or how it all went down no he's still an asshole agree. he's he's a total asshole he needs I, to I stop using my- mental health as an excuse you, you have to just admit bro that you're an asshole ever since you like this is sparta kicked that that poor little kicker like <sighs> that should have been sign number one like you can you can you can be a person that has mental illness problems that need to get addressed but you can also be an asshole and he's done so many things that line up on the i'm just a terrible person and i don't want to change that about myself kind of thing especially now he said he wants to play football still so that that excuse is out the window so yeah he's just a douche i see you nodding your head mary what do you got uh everything that Allie just said and everything that mike ryan just had it perfectly how he would chime in while dan was trying to make the excuses and mike again, put himself out there, which I always appreciate the authenticity and addressed some of the mental health issues that he had. And he said, it is a discredit to people who are dealing with mental health. There's a lot of people that deal with mental health issues 
and they don't act out that way. Exactly. Yeah. And again, by making this, oh, it's you're almost dismissive of what mental health is by saying, oh, well, that's just that's just what it is. It's like, no, it's it's not that. There are people that handle things a lot better. And you also have to remember. Uh, the Antonio Brown statement is setting up the fact that, you know, a grievance that the union will have to defend, um, you know, early on the thought was, well, they were keeping, he got mad because they were keeping him out because there were three incentives that would have told a million dollars in his pocket and that the bucks were keeping him out so that he wouldn't reach those incentives. Those that wasn't true either, but he's got to set this thing up to make it look like he's, um, he's, he's the victim. And, um, that's, that's what he's doing. I still want to know how he got into the garden last night he's not vaccinated he was at a basketball game no yeah that was uh i was not a fan of that um it's probably that security guard from that like popular gif that like just pats somebody down just from the outside that guy the older guy in the jacket and that's how he does security that's probably how antonio brown got in to be fair the reason i didn't think he would get into the garden or was surprised that to see that he got in is because i can't see him being quiet like I can't see Antonio Brown putting on a hoodie and a hat, handing the guy his fake Vax card that most people would look at it for five seconds and go on in. Like I can't see Antonio Brown not being like, I'm Antonio Brown. And at that point, you know he's not vaccinated. So that's what was surprising about that part of it. By the way, Steve Martin, 76, Bill Murray, 71. Schweitz came in strong with James Earl Jones is 90. I don't know how old you have to be to be on this list. I feel like Bill Murray's a little young. And a but bit problematic. Uh, what's problematic with Bill Murray? Uh, some possible domestic abuse oh, okay. with his first wife. Did not know that. Uh, Steve Martin, though. 76. Awesome. Kind okay. of on the awesome. side. What about Jack Nicholson? He's like 80-something. Just, is he have problems? I don't find him lovable. Like, you enjoy him, but he's not like... Like, Mel Brooks, to me, is more lovable than Jack Nicholson is. Although you can love Jack Nicholson, all he did, he's not a lovable character in the same way that someone like Betty White was. I yeah, why are, why is there not a lot of women on our list? Is it just because there's not a lot available, or we just don't like old ladies? Because um, I can't think of one. I, f- I found yeah. more people. Hold on. <laughs> um, the actress that played Mrs. Costanza, Estelle uh, oh. Harris. Yeah. Uh, she's 93. Rita Moreno's 90. Barbara Eden is 90. Uh, let's see. How old's Charo still around? Nobody likes Charo. Gene Hackman's on 91. Uh, Angela Lansbury's 95. I think Angela Lansbury's a strong choice. Never really Barbara. heard anybody. I could just hear Pat Summerall coming up after your, your late just local news. It's 60 minutes of, of murders. Murder, murder she wrote. Yes. Um, Allie, to jump back to your question, I just, I would say I can't think of off the top of my head a lot of older women that twice has That's how I am too. Like I'm stuck. I feel like I, I know a lot of like the Meryl Streep era, but I think they're just in their 70s. Like I can't yeah. think of the next generation up. Or I also feel like, I, I don't know, L- like Betty White having the long career she had way into her mid to late 90s is more of an yeah. exception when it comes to women in Hollywood than the rule. Yeah. And like Jack Nicholson at his age is able to still do like, 
you know, you see Tony Bennett sing with Lady Gaga and you have the old guy with the young girl. You don't necessarily have it reversed. And I don't know if that's my sensibilities or that's just the way it seems to be in Hollywood. I'm not necessarily using it, but I can see that being so like someone. Or just got everybody to... like loved Betty White. She had such a monopoly on the old lady category that everybody just gravitated towards her and just said, screw everybody else. We love Betty White, which I could see yeah. that as well. Doc, Dr. Ruth is 93 and June Squibb is 91. Dr. Ruth has a foul mouth. I have a, <laughs> I have a friend who's had multiple contacts with her and she is a potty mouth. I did security for her for a night. It was fun. <laughs> you leave an indelible impression when you do comedy and Betty White was a comedian. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not the entertainment piece. It's the fact what makes you lovable is you make people laugh. You make them feel good. And so there's generationally, she was a pioneer I just don't know that there's anybody that fills that. I've looked up Joan Rivers. She's been dead since 2014. Dolly Parton got one. There you Everybody go. Loves yes, Dolly. There you go. Everybody that, loves that's the Dolly. answer. That's probably right the there. answer. Well, that, that's a that's a good ending point. There's, there's, there, uh, there's nothing left to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully, Aaron will listen to the end of this so he can be a, you know, a smile on his face about us talking about Dolly Parton. She's 75. Well, that was, what was that? That was Maddie's cutoff, right? Was 75 on a low end. You know, she's just, she just squeaks in and, you know, hopefully we have her for 20 or more years left. So anyway, I hope so. I get free books from her kid's library. Awesome. That's good things. And she really is a great person with all the stuff she's done, especially over the last couple of years, but I digress. And we're going to say thank you for all the listeners out there. Um, Thank you for listening to midweek matches. Um, Go around the horn real quick. Schweitz, where can we find you on social media? I'm at Schweitz underscore A-Y. Thank you. And how about you, Allie? Where are we finding you this week? Crashing in ARCA cars at Atlanta Motor Speedway in iRacing. Stop running into me and crashing into me. It's been four races in a row, people. Stop it. You're tanking my iRating. Trying to get up <laughs> to my next license class. What about you, Mayor? You could find me at Santini Matt, and you could also find me apologizing. No, not apologizing. Con- just congratulating Juju for winning the uh, Fantasy Fiesta fo- uh, Fantasy Football League that we were in. It uh, didn't end with controversy. Maybe next week I'll throw myself on the mercy of the court to see if I was in the wrong or if Juju was being a little uh, maybe sensitive. He did end up winning the whole thing, beat our beat our own John in Miami in the finals game. And uh, But, Ant, you know very well there was uh, – there, there was some, there were some people's chili that were running hot in that. Yes, most uh, P- definitely. PPR or non-PPR? PPR for sure. And I'm Ant, Ask Dino in Brooklyn. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to check out our other stuff. We have post post game. We have cinema, as Mayor mentioned earlier. We have left at a club, and we have our interviews. And for all your apparel needs make sure you check out our boy lou at shop.loweraffterhours.com thanks and have a great night talk to you next week thanks for listening to this episode of lower after hours you can always reach us on twitter at lower after hours or instagram at lower after hours we're available wherever you get podcasts so don't forget to download subscribe review and rate five stars